As here we are at the Cover 3 Athletics Podcast, as it's that time of the week to talk about the 2022 Whippy O Football Playoffs. And this weekend, well, it's all on the table as we have the semifinals for classes 4A, 3A, 2A, and 1A, as well as the championship games in class 5A and 6A, which will both be held at Norman High School on Saturday. So we're going to talk about the semifinal action first. Then we'll, wrap, and then we'll pony it up with the championship predictions and quick rundowns in a little bit. So, semifinals, Class 4A, as we have the big one, is top seed Aliquippa takes on five seed McKeesport. The other side of the bracket, two seed Central Valley takes on three seed Thomas Jefferson. Look at the matchups, the Quips and Tigers. Of course, Aliquippa come in as the defending PIAA 4A champions. As they're looking for their unprecedented 15th straight appearance in the Whippeo Football Championship game. Of course, McKeesport trying to get back for the first time since 2016 when they lost a heartbreaker in overtime to West Allen Gady. As of course, more notably though, these two teams met up in the semifinals a year ago, which saw McKeesport hold on to a lead for a lot of the game and have multiple chances to close it out in the fourth quarter and overtime and a pair of special team blunders cost them and allowed the Quips to walk out of their victorious. So now they're back at it again. And look at these ma- and look at this match. I mean, this one. It's, I mean, it's gonna be one on the ground. It's it's hard to argue as Alcopa grounds and pounds. Uh, Tyke Hayes, John Tracy, the one-two punch for Alcopa. They also could spread out through there. It's quite good, underrated as a passer. As he's as he's running the ball around his fair target. Donovan Walker, the star defensive back, leading the way for the Quips. As Brandon Banks is another receiver for them too. But mainly, they're going to get the ball. They're going to move the ball on the ground. That's their goal. That's what they're going to do, of course. Tyke Hayes, I mean, you can make a case as he is still, I mean, in this matchup, not the best player on the field, but he's not far off. It's kind of like a 1A and a 1B and a 1C type in this matchup. And he can single-handedly change the game and take it over as well, though. But, of course, the quips, you have, you have, the, you have the traditional dominance in the trenches, and they got a bunch of good linemen that have been around that have won, that are looking for more, and they're just hard to stop. But he flips the code to McKeesport. They run you know, they run their traditional flexible offense, which Jamil Perriman's had a phenomenal season. Quarterback in, he, and he's been big time in the playoffs. But Bobby Boyd, arguably the best player on the field of the matchup, and he's had a phenomenal senior season, being the lead man of, the, of this pesky Tiger team. So again, though, as we saw in the quarterfinal win, Perriman and Boyd both took turns breaking off big runs and, and, and literally carrying the load for the Tigers. Both are going to have to do the same again. Again, I look for Larry Gibson, who had a touchdown a week ago, to have to get involved again and do some things to kind of give a third head of this Tiger rushing attack to offset the mighty Alcup front seven. But the one thing that I'm going to look at as the, as the difference maker of this match is again, McKeesport as well has a very underrated defense. Is They're very good, very good at taking the ball away, very aggressive. And, and just watching them against Armstrong last week, they were clearly the more physical team. They were way more aggressive. And it was just too much for Armstrong to handle. And Armstrong was very good. So you're going to look at two teams that are very similar. Just that the Tigers on the flex, but Alcopa is going to smash it in your face. Bobby Boyd, Perriman, Tyke Hayes, superstar potential, Dominic Walker as well, all there. But I'm looking at it like this. The X factor for me is turnovers. Can McKeesport protect the ball for four quarters against arguably the best defensive team in the state in Class 4A? Because you know, last week they fell in about 12 or 13 times, lost I think two or three of them. 
Now, of course, the rainy conditions and the monsoon, like that was down in Katanning, definitely played a role in that. But again, but a year ago, too, McKeesport was in control for most of the nights. They had late leads. They had costly self-inflicted miscues that cost them the game at the end of it. So I look at this year, it's about turnovers. If McKeesport can protect the football, avoid that costly mistake, then be consistent, whether it's busting big runs, whether it's just grounding and pounding and being patient. So sometimes in the triple option, you know, you want to try to make the big play or, you know, think you had to break one when really if you just run it and trust the system and protect the ball you should be able to get you know a lot of at least three to four yard gains which will get you and get your position for third fourth and shorts and put you high percentage chance to keep the very keep the ball so i think if they can be patient let alone protect it they have a great chance to pull the upset here of course aliquippa i mean it's it's pretty much do what you've done all year you know let tyke and john tracy take turns pounding away Try to control tempo, but also give Quinn good in the room. You know, sling it out and let him show off his arm that people forget about. This kid can throw, he can play, and he's experienced in big games, and he and he is more than a capable passer. It's just that they, it's just that they choose not to make passing the number one option. So at the end of the day, it's a, it's becoming a rivalry. This is going to be a hell of a matchup. These teams so similarly matched, but I'm going to go Al Quipa in a close game just because I think the Quips. I mean, they know how to make the championship games. They've tried to make it for a 15th straight year. They're defending champs. And McKeesport, they've been close so many times throughout these years, but they just haven't been able to finish it. So I think Aliquippa wins close. I think it comes down to a late Quips defensive stand in the red zone to pull it off. But I look for this game to be a really fun, really physical game. And I honestly, I think it's going to be something like a 24-20 final score. Someone that shows how both these defenses are arguably the top two in 4A. Now we go to the other side, Central Valley TJ, and people kind of forget that these two, it was an old rivalry. As when Central Valley was formed in 2010, them and TJ met three times in six years in the Whippeal playoffs in the end of the year old AAA. Of course, they moved to six classes. They got split up. They didn't see each other for quite some time. Now they're back at for another for another big chapter in this you kind of with maybe a renewal of a really good rivalry from the old days. And you look at TJ, they've had a second half resurgence, and they've done it through Brody Evans' arm in the air, spraying the ball around. Sean Sullivan's been the top target for them, and you used to see the Jaguars pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. This year they had to make a little bit of an adjustment, and it's paid off because the Jaguar defense has gotten back to be its stingy, aggressive self. And ever since the loss to Laurel Highlands, this has been a much different and, and much more what you've seen TJ team. And the fact that they did beat McKee's point and knocked them to the unbeaten, which definitely shifted how this bracket was aligned. Central Valley, on the other hand, had to overcome you know, a week nine loss themselves. They bounced back with a big quarterfinal victory over Laurel Highlands. They're now here. Of course, Central Valley won three straight Whitfield titles in Class 3A, back-to-back state titles. They moved to 4A now. Looking to you know add some more hardware, and in this matchup, Brody Evans I don't think is getting enough credit. Antoine Johnson had a really solid year, but I think the the player to watch in offense, Brett Fitzsimmons. I think he's a guy that could take over a game single handedly, and I think honestly he's the best skill player either team has offensively. But you know, but we talk about that. But I think you at the end of the day, you gotta look at it, it's playoff football. It's mid November. You gotta run the ball and be physical. 
And both these defenses are physical in their own ways. Cedric Valles will tr- take the ball away and they'll fly around the field. TJ's more of kind of, you think, kind of like a wrestling mindset. They're just going to you know, ground and pound you on the defensive end and out-muscle you. And you look at, I'm going to look as the X factor in this game. You know, can TJ rely heavily on their on their leading rusher, rely slip and caught to kind of give them that dual dimension on offense? You know, you have Evans use his athletic ability to kind of move around too. But they're going to be able to have success running the ball and open up over the top and be able to spread out like they've had in the second half of the season against like a ball-hawking secondary. On the flip side, Central Valley, we know what Fitzsimmons can do. We know what Anthony Johnson can do as an athlete. But I think, really, the pass game, and they got their duo, you know, receiver, defensive back duo, Javon Thompson, Denario Simpson, can, can one of those two guys kind of maybe change a game with a big play single-handedly, whether it's taking a dumb pass and breaking it, whether it's getting open downfield for a deep ball, whether it's picking off a pass or something. And honestly, look at this. Central Valley... They had trouble stopping the Alcapo run game in week 9 of the regular season. TJ relied on a two-man show to get out of the trope a week ago in the monsoon-like conditions that were all over the place. And I look at this matchup as being the X-factor of the game now. Can Central Valley match up against kind of a, a, new, a, kind of a rebirth TJ power run game that now has a bit of a, a spread-out passing dimension to it? And I think it's going to give them trouble. And honestly... I want to call the upset. I think TJ pulls the upset. Bill Chirpak celebrating, just got over celebrating win number 300 in his career. This TJ, this TJ team is totally a different team than the last month. And I think the Jaguars are going to use that balance and are going to find a way to slow the game down, make it a ground and pound physical game, kind of what a Central Valley struggled with in the second half against Alquipa. They, they just couldn't stop the run and get off the field. I think TJ will hang around long enough to come to the second half. You'll see some, you'll see a lipid card. Maybe not bust a big one, but just keep hammering away, hammering away, hammering away. And then you'll see Aiden Whalen come in. He also has a good season. But, and I think then you'll see the Brody and Sean Sullivan connection be a little more effective. And I think the Jaguar teams might settle in, preventing big plays. And I think TJ will win a higher score game, something like 27-21. So let's go to Class 3A. Some of the final matchups here. You'll have the upset mind and darlings. Shadyside Academy taking on number 2 Avonworth. Then you'll have Top Dog. Or should, or should I say Top Jungle Cat. Belvernon taking on Freeport. So let's look at the Belvernon Freeport matchup. As Belvernon, this is their fifth year either in a semifinal. Trying to make what would be their third championship game appearance in the last four years. Of course, this program's not one at all since 1995. After coming up short in 4A, they're now in 3A. They got the superstar, the five-star stud, Quinn and Martin, empowering them in, in the run in the run first, run heavy approach. But but but, there's, but this team's much more than Quinn and Martin. I mean, and Quinn and Martin's an absolute superstar. In addition, you have Jake uh, Jadaka, who's had a very good season. You know, um, taking carries and just being an all-around playmaker behind Q. But also, I mean, Belvern can throw the ball a little bit. As Braden Locks has had a nice year throwing it. Of course, Quinn Martin, you know, or Chase Rodkin are his main two guys. But the Leopards, they want to, but truly, they want to pound the rock, and they should with Quinn Martin and 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 Jedica as the leading two guys. Both are, I mean, obviously, Q is Q. Jedica's very good in his own right, though. And they're going to look just to pound the rock, control this game, be physical, and then use the pass to kind of supplement it. 
and then again a good line play, a very good leopard defense as well is why they're the one seed. And again, and they played some tough competition that was above class three A. They they played tough, they lost, okay, whatever. You know, but when it comes down when it came down to mattering, Belvern did nothing but dominate. They dominated a good Elizabeth fourteen down the regular season. And then they've just rode through the playoffs to get here. Freeport on the other side, first summer final appearance since twenty fifteen. And it's much more just the Ben Lane show. Ben Lane's his own superstar that people still are kind of overlooking, forgetting about this. Ben Lane's a talented dude. He does it all. He can throw the ball. He's running for over a thousand yards. He can catch the ball, make plays. And he, he's a guy who can be dangerous in the return game. I mean, in a way, he's kind of like similar. He's a similar version to Devin Woodlock, who graduated a year ago for Bell Vernon. Ben Lane is an absolute stud. I mean, it's going to take Ben Lane having a monster game, probably doing things in all three phases on offense for the Yellow Jackets to come out on top. But also around him that can do it, Gavin Crony, who you know is a dual-threat quarterback, Zach Clark, who's who's kind of like the second man, kind of like Angelica is. And if I'm mispronouncing that, I apologize. We'll say Jake G. I mean, kind of like Jake G is the second man to Q. Zach Clark's the second man to Benny Lane here for Freeport. Or Brady Stuyvesant, Brady Sullivan are kind of the top, top two guys who catch passes out wide. But the Yellow Jackets, very good defensively, very good in their own right, and they're underrated. Just kind of the, the Allegheny Conference was didn't get the respect it deserved, but they have half the semifinal field. So don't just overlook Freeport thinking, oh, their conference was this or that. No. The conference was good and it was solid. Freeport's a semifinal team, and I think this game is better than expected. It's going to play out the way. Because these teams are similarly built. If you think about it, it's just that Quinmar is a five-star superstar. And Belverin's been a t- one of the top programs in the Whippy in terms of winning year for year for this past decade. Freeport, they've had good teams. They're back to having a really, a really good, on the verge of great team. And these teams are very similarly built. Strong, staunch defenses, run-first approaches, and just absolute studs in the way they can do a little bit of everything. But I look at this as this. Freeport's finally got back to the semifinals. Ben Lane's really good, and they got a really good team around him. Belvernon's trying to make their third title game in four years. Quinn Murray's a superstar. Jake G would be a superstar if he was on another team. Leopards have got a little bit of a passing game this year, unlike sometimes in previous years. And I think Belvernon's is a little bit too much on offense that'll be for Freeport to handle. I like them, I like them to pull away late in the third quarter, win this game by 14 points. But it won't show how close this game actually will be. And I think it'll be, again, a really thrilling game. And it might even be a high scoring. It might be like a 48-34 type game. But I just think Belvern is a little bit too much in offense. And they're both these teams are similar. Belvern does things a little bit better. And I think they'll get back to the Whitfield Championship game. Our side of the bracket, Avril Shady side. And talk about EF losing. Shadyside absolutely put on a clinic a week ago to get here with the upset. And this Bulldog team is playing with house money, and they're running with it. Of course, Avonworth, I mean, you know, not far removed from winning a Whitfield title and making it to Hershey. These kids were freshmen when it happened. Now they're seniors trying to get in there. Of course, Shadyside, first time in the semifinals in 14 years, trying to make their first title game since 98. Of course, but Avonworth... I think the difference is their defense in this match. I mean, the Antelope's defense has been unsung and just one of the top units all season long. Of course, you got the offense. Payne of Faulkner is the star. Big catch guy. I mean, you've had other guys step up like Austin John Core, Andrew Cuban. Luke Hillian's been a beast leading the run game. 
Brandon Bigarelli and Hilliard, who make a heck of a linebacking combo. You know, Bigarelli to add stuff on offense with him in the backfield. But then you have Nate Harper, the veteran quarterback, who is the heart, the leader of this team. And really, I'm worth just a complete all-around team. And they're, I mean, there's really nothing more to be said. They're just complete all-around. They're, they're experienced. Of course, Shady said the excitement, the upset abilities there, the house money effects there. As Joey Bellinotti, Darren Hayes, Haynes, excuse me, are the one-two punch for the Bulldogs in offense. As of course, as Haynes has kind of stepped into a, a dual-threat quarterback mode, as Max Wicklin got hurt early on, Haynes came in, giving them a lot of credit. And give this shady side team a lot of credit as they fought through injuries and they've really made a heck of a run to get this far and surprise people. But I think it ends here. I think I just think Avorth, their defense will make the difference. The versatility in offense and the experience of Nate Harper, and then on the one the one two punch of Hillary and Big Rally in the ground game, I think will really control it. I think Avorth will kinda of play I think their defense will set the tone early. The offense will make plays later. And I think Nate Harper might have come back well, might break out with a big game here. And I think Avorth will win this one. But it's not to discredit Chase side, but I think Avorth will win this one comfortably. But the score will still be respectable. Now we go to Class 2A semifinals. Top seed Sioux Valley takes on number 4 to Shannock. And then the 2 3 matchup we were all hoping to see Beaver Falls and Stow Rocks. So looking at Sioux Valley and the Shannock, the Ironman undefeated top dogs. And they've just dominated pretty much most of the year. And the, real, and the real reason why is Cruz Brookings. Of course, Stow Valley had a couple rough years. This is the fifth time in seven years they're making the semifinals. As Cruz Brookins leads Steel Valley this year, as he's been phenomenal, you know, running the ball, throwing him when he's has to, and he's the best player on the field. Can't argue it. But also, Steel Valley, why they're undefeated, why they're the one seed, and why they're just dominating. Cruz is phenomenal, but you also have a really good Ironman defense that kind of just gets forgotten about. And then you got some guys, studs who can play with Long Cruz, Karan Pierce, Donald, Donald Barksdale, Jay, Jay Sean Wright, Deron Barksdale, all have contributed. You know, also like, so this team goes as Cruz goes, but those guys contribute, and they're two-way guys, and they deserve to be said about. Of course, the Shannon is in a great season in their own right. I mean, they're not going to back down this game. I mean, you Johnny Huff, who's another dual-threat quarterback, he put together a thousand thousand season, you know, just about eleven hundred yards passing, over eighteen hundred on the ground, thirty two touchdowns. Matt Ionelli's had a really good year as well, pounding the rock. And he's been good in these two playoff games. And then how about Luciano Delillo, the top receiver and one of the top names in the Whippy I'd say this year. So but again the Lancer defense as well, very good and very staunch and are. And again, they came out of that tough middle Oyster cars you got Beer Falls. You had Mohawk, who had a nice season after having a lot of drama coming into it. You had a resurging Riverside team. You had a Western Beer team that was good. You had, you know, you had a, a, a better than usual Elwood City team. So, I mean, they've been challenged. They've been a lot of tough teams all year long. You know, in a shack, and they shut down a pretty, a pretty raunchy Wash High team for the most part. We can grant Wash High made a late rally and almost. Made the final comments interesting, really interesting, but Nishanik held on. So Nishanik is even tested against, you know, a big playability, some big dog Wash High team that they came out and they won. 
So when you look at this matchup, I do think Nishanik, ironically, may match up may match up a little bit better than either Starhawks or Beer Falls will with Steel Valley, just because of the physical defense and I think the way Nishanik plays with kind of like the dual three quarterback, the run you know, the run first approach. I do think they may be a tougher matchup on paper, but I think Steel Valley's dominated every week. Cruz is the best player in the field. The Shanks are a really, really, really good team. And again, I think they might be the tougher matchup than potentially Beer Falls or Steel Rocks on paper. But I think the Ironman is too much. And the Ironman defense, I think, is going to be the story of the game. Cruz will do what he does. He'll have to. He'll do what he does. But, but, you'll see, but I think this game will showcase the supporting cast he has. And I like Steel Valley to win this game by 10 points. I think they'll be in control for a lot of the night. Nishanik will hang around, hang around, hang around. But I think Steel Valley may go up by 17 or three scores late in the fourth. Nishanik may get a touchdown back to make it closer. But I think Steel Valley does get the victory. Beer Falls, Starhawks. Talk about this one. 2020, the men for the Whippeo title. Tigers ran into a big lead. Starhawks fought back in a game that saw 73 points put on the board. Beer Falls held on to win that one. Now they're back at it. And it was crazy how Josh Jenkins and Jaron Prickner were both sophomores. Now they're both seniors. You know, with, with decorating careers, going at it with a title game trip on the line. Of course, Josh Jenkins has quietly had a really good year throwing the football. Nearly 2,300 yards, 30 touchdowns in the air. Prickner has accumulated about 2,300 total yards himself, 14 scores, showing his dual threat ability. As again, both these teams like to air it out, spread the ball around, and why not, again, star veteran quarterbacks. Of course, Beer Falls, their top guys, Trey Singleton, almost 1,000 yards receiving. And then Bricks Rawls, the leading rusher for them. On the other side of the Vikings, playmakers all over the place, Trayvon Miller-Ross, you know, and Jamon Green-Miller, their top two receivers, top two defensive backs. Zay Davis, again, has been there for a while. More of a receiver now than when he was when he was younger. We still run the ball a little bit. But Amir Hibbler's come in. He's been the leading rusher, nearly 700 yards on the ground. At the end of the day, look at this. And these teams, again, so similar. you got star veteran quarterbacks. These teams like to throw the rock around, spread it. Both teams have, you know, three, four guys that you get the ball to. They can make play and bust the game open. That are in their own right studs and have have had decorated careers. Both have defenses that can take the ball away and look and go after the ball like crazy. And this one's a tough one to pick. This was really tough to look at is, you know, you look at Beer Falls, won the title two years ago, had just a confusing, sloppy title game loss last year. This year they're trying to get back to that stage. Starhawks, the senior class led by Jenkins and company, have played so many football games, have won a lot of them, all have so many decorated careers and numbers, but they have yet to be able to win the title as they've got their couple times lost. Obviously, they had the semifinal loss a year ago. Can Starhawks, who've overcome a rough 0-2 start, and they've, had, and they've been lights out since, can they keep it going? Again, this one's literally a coin flip. We might see 70-some points scored again. I'm ready for the fireworks show. At the end of the day, I'm going to pick Starhawks in an upset. And this one I went back and forth on, and honestly, my one friend asked me last night, I picked Beer Falls, but tonight I'm feeling Starhawks. I think Josh Jenkins and Starhawks, it's going to be a wonky game. It's going to be fireworks. You'll see some crooked numbers up there. I think Starhawks trails by 
by five points. They drive down the field, and Jenkins gets a winning touchdown pass in the final minute for the Vikings to come out on the right side of this big game and move on. But expect, I'm going to say expect over 70 points. Expect both quarterbacks to have over 300 yards and at least three touchdowns each. I think this will be a good old classic shootout that will have Starrocks winning on, a, on, a, on the grand finale firework and a, and a great firework show. And then we go to Class 1A semifinals. Top seed undefeated defending champ Bishop Canavan taking on number 5 Southside Beaver. On the other side, yeah, I like the craziness. Number 10 Union versus number 14 Rochester in a rematch. So let's talk about Southside and Canavan. And by the way, the Big 7, pump up at your chests. Three quarters of the semifinals are your conference. So let's talk about that. We'll, well, let's celebrate that. Excuse me. We're going to talk about, you know, one of them. The Southside trying to pull from the upset against Canada. Of course, Southside shut down the Maples a week ago. They jumped on them early. Just shut down them. Shut their own game. Got a pick. Got a huge interception early. And they just dominated off. And I was wrong. I was totally wrong about this Ram team. The defense absolutely dominated. And the offense, I mean, they were, they looked amazing on offense. But can they keep it up? This is about Southside. Brody Elmashies leads the run-heavy offense. But, I mean, he could throw the ball, too, and they have. But, of course, you have Ryan Navarro, Alex Arrigo, and then Parker Stather is the top receiver. He also can do a little bit around the ball, and he's a really talented player, too. And you look at but also the Rams. they got a really good defense. It's, it's not sexy, but it's really good. And, this, and again, this Ram team, it's an experienced bunch. These guys have won a lot of games the last couple of years, the senior class. Yeah, so don't count these guys out. And yeah, I was wrong last week. Totally wrong. But Kahneman's a different animal. As Jason Cross, Cole Zuski, they split time in the end of last season, and they've carried it over all throughout this year. Both are talented guys. As Cross is a D1 start safety. Both guys have thrown for over 1,000 yards and combined for 30 touchdown passes. Cross is more of a dual-thread guy, and when he's not playing quarterback, he's playing receiver for Olszewski as... Is that the, and I expect to see both them taking meaningful snaps and using a change of pace throughout the game like they have all year. Xavier Nelson, who's an absolute stud, and somebody please give this guy some D1 offers because he is an absolute playmaker, and he is your game-breaker, game-buster. As if we do, if we can't remember, he single-handedly took over the Whitfield Town game a year ago. I think he can do it all. I mean, this guy's a big play receiver. He's a possession receiver. Give him the ball on a speed sweeper, direct snap. He can take it to the house. He can have a pick six. He's a ball hawk in, in the secondary as well. He's a, he's a dangerous return man. He can literally do it all. Marquise Carter's had a big year as well. And he and he ran for 250 yards in the quarterfinal after Claritin. So, and little on you of Lacks, who's a big play guy in his own right. So, and the end of the it's like lightning in a bottle. Big play guys all over the field, all these positions, both sides of the ball, and the return game. How do you stop all that? You stop it with a physical defense and a run-heavy offense that with a veteran football team that's played around, which Southside has. At the end of the day, I think Canaan wins. Until someone beats him, you can't pick against him. But I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game, kind of like Canaan did against Clarington a week ago. But I think in the Canaan, I like for Nelson to have some type of game-changing play in the return game. I look for the say Lacks to do the same. I think that Kahneman, just too much electric on offense. 
I think they pull away late in the second half again to win this one. But don't be surprised if Southside has an early lead. Don't be surprised if it's a low-scoring game for a while. And don't be surprised if Southside's right in this and has a chance maybe in the fourth quarter. But I think Cayman finds a way just too much on offense. The other one, Union or Rochester. The number one question, will we have over 10 points scored in this game? Because in the regular season... Union scored a, a touchdown with, I believe, 35 seconds left to pull out a 6-0 win. Talk about insanity. And another question, will we see a converted extra point? As the Union was over 5 on two-point tries in their upset win over Laurel a week ago. They didn't even try to kick it. Rochester doesn't really prefer to kick it either. So we might see teams trade 6-8s all night if they if they even get there. But look at this thing, Union... First semifinal trip since 1979. Trying to make the trying to make their first title game since 1973. Of course, Rochester. I mean, they were always in championships in you know late 90s, early you know 2000s up through 2010. They're, this is the fifth time last Saturday they made the semifinals and their resurgence. Trying to get back for the first time since 2018. As of course, Braylon Thomas is kind of becoming the rising star for the Scotties. Dual threat quarterback Mike Gunn is probably the best offensive player. Of course, both these teams are aggressive, physical, rough-and-tough, defensive-minded and run-first teams, and this would be a good old throwback-type game where it's going to be ground-and-pound, rough-you-up. If you can get five yards at a time, that's that's a big play in this game. This is, of course, for the Rams. Antonio Lore has been the star this year, leading them over 1,200 yards on the ground, 24 tutties. Jerome Mullins is, is, their, is kind of their slot-back guy who's good at running the ball, Stun on defense, leading receiver, and then Jaden Norman as well is coming to take over quarterbacking with Parker Lyons being lost for the year. So again, Jaden Norman's done a nice job filling in, and this one's tough. I mean, and on paper, you know, I mean, it's hard to pick because Union won the regular season meeting. These teams are literally carbon copies of each other. Both are flying high, playing with house money, making noise at the right time of the year when everyone's picking against them. And, and and both have been impressive. I mean, Union, you know, won on the road, beat Burgettstown, then they then they knock out their conference champs Laurel, and they were just from the better team from start to finish last week. Of course, Rochester has been absolutely brilliant over the last two weeks, and they and they and they got the just and they both teams have that disrespect card. This one's hard to pick, but. I'm going to say I'm going to take the Union Scotties. And again, it's one of those ones where someone asked me the other night. I was like, oh, I think it's going to be Rochester. I'm going to flip it to Union. Now we'll see how these late flips on my part play out in my picks. But I think Union is not getting enough credit. Rochester's had been an incredible run. But I think the Scotties have been on their own an incredible journey too. And I think Union's going to win this one. I'm going to say they're going to get a two-week version to go their way this week. I think Union wins. 22 to 14. And of course, watching out for Westinghouse on their journey in the 2A state playoffs as they are in the round of 16. As they will take on boy, the North Clarion, Central Clarion, my apologies. So Westinghouse will take on Central Clarion, which is like a combination of three schools out that way. And they're playing a couple stadium. So Westdale's just absolutely rolled through Berlin Brothers Valley. I mean, they jumped on them. It was like 28-0 or something after the first quarter. I mean, they jumped on them, and it was, inc- it was crazy. But Westinghouse looking to get to the state quarterfinals. 
heavy favorites. And I expect them to not have much trouble in this game. With Kimor Silo and company. Well, of course, the winner of that one will wait the winner of Farrell and Sharpsville in a potential state quarterfinal, which Farrell big favorites in that game. So you, like I said, if things play out like the paper suggests, you can be in for a heavyweight fight with Westhouse and Farrell next week. And then, of course, the winner of that game will get the two-way whip champion in a state semifinal, which if everything holds serve, again, it's going to be a doozy. There we go. So the whip championship game is on Saturday. Up in Norwood High School on noon will be the 5A title game. Pyrichland, Upper St. Clair. And then 6 o'clock will be the 6A championship. Central Catholic, North Allegheny. So let's talk about the 5A title game first. So Peter and USC, again, November football, championship football. It's cold. Sometimes there's what obviously, you know, snow, rain, etc. But this time of year, what do you do to win? Defense. And run the football in Western PA. That's what we're going to see in this one. Both teams are going to pound the rock and live by it. As you as can, both have really good defenses that are just sound, solid units. USC is a deep, senior-laden team. PR has a nice senior class. Then again, he always tasted a championship victory a couple years ago. Came through, you know, an up and down crazy season last year. And then this year, overcame a shaky start to get the run out. And they've been one of the hotter teams over the last. Second half of the season, I should say. And you look at USC, who kind of hit a midseason snag with a couple of losses, but they overcame that and they've turned it around. You know, avenging loss about the park to get here, and they just looked, they just dominated that game. Of course, on the other side, P- PR has been electric, you know, the whole second half of the season, so they put Ryan Palmieri quarterback. And let's talk about Everson Clare first, though. Of course, quarterbacking USC will go with the freshman quarterback. Ethan Hellman and boys, he's been nice as a freshman quarterback. Again, making a good decision when he's had to throw the ball, but just being the poise he's shown. As of course Jamal Brown, who's been a stud for the last couple of years, he's he's the leader of the offense. Nearly fifteen hundred yards on the ground, and he's been the I mean he's been the bell cow over the last month of the season. You expect that to be the case on Saturday, but also with Jamal Brown as his running mate, Aiden Besselman. Besselman's an absolute stud. Good, I mean, good defensive back, good receiver, big play guy, and he's going to be Hellman's number one option to throw the ball to. And he, I mean, he's just a stud. You know, and looking at, you know, you, you kind of hate to discredit it, but it's kind of like a two-man game. It's going to be lots on Jamal Brown to carry the rock and have another big performance, which he's done. He, he's lived up to it. And Aiden Besselman is going to be the guy over the top. It's going to be Hellman's safety blanket. Going to be they're going to, and if they're going to throw, the, if they're going to have success throwing the football, it's going to be Besselman or Brown in the screen game that does it for them. It's of course the upper St. Clair defense. I mean, Marco Carone, Mark Manbury, two absolute studs. I mean, you have Marcus Funnel, who is a star left tackle for them as well. But then Van Hellman. Shea Moorhead as well, both very good. And then Besselman, like I said, leading that secondary. Jake Huffnagel and our senior has been good this year. So at the end of the day, senior heavy team for the Panthers. Can they cash in with the freshman quarterback? What we talk about run heavy, Ryan Palmieri took over a quarterback after about four or five weeks into the season. And he's been, I mean, you can make the case for him being the 5A player of the year. Because as, as Palmieri goes, as go the Rams, as the Rams... Usually like to air it out, dink and dunk it, 
but John Ladon's in his first year head coaching them, and they've become a run-first team with Palmieri being the feature. And again, as Palmieri goes, as goes the Ram offense. But Ethan Pillar is a junior running back who's been kind of forgotten about. He's been good. Alex Saramara, a talented player, get the ball to him. He can make things happen. But and then Andrew Mills, the steady, reliable senior receiver, has had a nice year too. But then a but then a rising star, sophomore wideout defensive back, Nico Andrews for the Rams. This could be the X factor in this matchup if he gets the ball and can make something happen in space. And of course, Jake Beam, Isaiah Kearns, two studs in the trenches for the Rams. But again, the Ram defense, very dominant in its own right. You got the Heckerts, Max, and sophomore Sam doing their thing in the middle. You know, Joey Perry, John Roddinghouse, Eden Hazley, Ryan Corey on the D-line. And then again, Mellis, Palmieri, Tanner Cunningham. They, and they're the guys in the secondary as well, leading the way. So, and I, so I guess look at these teams. Both want to run the ball and establish it and pound the rock. Both have good offensive lines. Both have very sound defenses at all three levels of it. And this one's a tough one to pick. The Rams have been electric offensively since putting Palmieri quarterback. Palmieri, as he goes, as do they go, like I said. USC, you can remind Jamal Brown. Aiden Besselman's a big play guy. And Ethan Hellman, and he's been good. And this one's tough to pick, of course. PR... Since twenty, I mean, since twenty fourteen, they have been to the Whippeal Championship game a lot of times. They've been to the Whippeal semifinals even a few more times. And again, they've had special quarterbacks: Ben DiNucci, Phil Dracovic, Cole Spencer, Ryan Palmieri. Now, you know, in his own way. And, and again, and this time around, it's going to be physical ball. Of course, USC. I set it back, and the big winner appears Township Boy early on when Hellman made his debut in his first ever varsity start. This team seems to me like a team in destiny, and I feel like they're going to win the title. You know, and I think at the end of the day, USC is the senior class. is going to find a way to step up. Bessel and Jamal Brown, the leaders of the team, will make plays when they have to, and I think those two are the best players on the field. And I think, if, and I think USC is going to find a way to contain Palmieri and make somebody else beat them. Now, here's the thing. You, both these teams, strong defenses, ground the ball. USC's key, you have to have Bestman and Brown both make big plays, control the game, and basically stand, rise up as the best two players on the field. PR's vantage point, making the freshman quarterback have to make plays with his arm and make him make decisions. You flip it around, PR, USC, if you make something other than Palmieri beat you, if you can, if you can contain Palmieri and key on him, Make whether it be Pillar step up, Sarama step up, or make them to throw the ball and see if you can consistently throw it and air it out, and, and make them be back kind of a pass first team. Which again, Andrew Mellis, Nico Andrew on the outside are more than capable of making big plays and busting it open if they have to. And PR, if you can get that going and have Palmieri do his thing, and then have it to go over the top, it's gonna be hard to stop. But how this one plays out, I think the USC defense will find a way to keep them one dimensional. They'll, they'll find a way to contain Palmieri. I think USC, behind a big day from Jamal Brown, will ground and pound their way, do a battle. Something that would be like, I'm going to say like a 17-13 victory. And it's going to be a hard-fought, physical, grueling game for the title. Then we go to the WPIAL 6A Championship, NA Central Catholic. 
And these Western PA powers, these arch rivals, meet again in the title game. Of course, they met a couple years ago with the Vikings winning it all. And here they are back in again. Central Catholic back in a championship game. What, you know, But this year, it's been a different story for them. I mean, at one point, they're on a five-game winning streak. But that comes after they were 2-4. and four. Yeah, you heard that right. They were 2-4 and four at one point. And how the Vikings have got here, they've done it by spreading the rock in the air. Central Catholic pass game has been has been the focus and kind of the story of the second half of the season for them. Is the junior quarterback, Peyton Wainer, has had a really solid, really good campaign, using his mobility but also his arm to carry them on offense, keep them going. As Amari Shields is the young running back for them, put the receiver. You have Vernon Settles, the, st- the stud Peter Gonzalez, and then and then the sophomore Bradley Gompers, and also you look at these Viking boys. I don't see a lot of seniors. So, and actually, they only, they only got two seniors which are in the trenches. So, these guys can be a force next year, but this year could be their time. As, of course, Jackson Farrell and Andrew Montana are the ones who anchor the line. Cole Solomon's a junior tight end for them as well. So, again, the Vikings are spreading the ball in the air. Waiters really coming into his own as a passer. And they got guys that can make plays and that can handle it, you know, getting the target share on the outside. And defensively, the Viking defense struggled early on. They've cut around into form the last month. As Cole Sullivan, Ty U.S. are up in the front of the defense. The stud junior linebacker Anthony Specka in the middle with Elijah Faulkner. You know, and then, and then Xavier Thomas, Argentino Green, Settles, Gompers in the secondary have all been very good. And they've again this this unit's grown the second half of the season. Again, two and four. They've won five straight seasons in the five-game winning streak. Wainer's been great. They've been great throwing the ball. Pugans also looked good coming off the injury, and the defense has got a lot better in all three phases. When you talk about defense, North Allegheny's been dominant on the defense all year long, and NA, that's what they have to do is pound the rock. As the, as the Tiger defense, I mean, it's led, you know, I mean, Dan Sellers, Cameron Chamara up front, the pair of juniors that are talented, Tyree Allegal, this stud junior linebacker, Running back anchors the front seven. Or I should say front eight, excuse me. And then Kyron Boyd, Campbell Melzer, the two guys in the secondary. But let's talk about the Tiger offenses. North Allegheny, they they're known for the the power run game and the athletic quarterback that they usually utilize to build their offense around. And this year, it's all about that. As Andrew Gavlik has has been the bell cow running back all year. Logan Kushner's had a really nice year quarterbacking the show. And then Kyron Boyd's kind of been that change of pace guy to get the ball to in the passing game or in or in the sweeps. Or Kennedy's another guy to watch out for to be a little bit of an X factor. And I mean you look at it, it kinda of like what's well, usually the staple in this matchup again is true about the, there's two I mean, two good defenses. The NA's been physical, you know, out muscling you all year. Central Cox has, you know, has rediscovered itself on defense and gone better as the year's gone. They've gone healthier, too, on the defense side of the ball. Well, offensively, there's an N.A. They're saying, well, pound the rock, pound the rock. But Kushner has been a good quarterback this year. Or Central Cox, they've done it by spreading it out, which is new. But it's been brilliant the last, again, second half of the season. And I think in the regular season meeting, N.A. won 7-3. And with a late touch, with, a, with again, a fourth, with a fourth quarter touchdown that gate that changed it. But the, the Vikings are a totally different team. And, and I've kind of said it coming to the playoffs. You know, the Central Catholic, like, they're just kind of like, you know, in a year where it's like, 
what they're two and four. Wait, what they care on the ball? What it's not the mighty chain gang defense? You know, like what the defensive coordinator left mid season? Like wait, what? Then all of a sudden, five straight wins, seven wins overall. The defense is getting into form, and they're having success on offense by throwing it. And then they got multiple guys that can make plays, let alone a quarterback that can do with his arm and his legs. At the end of the day, I think this match is going to be totally different than the regular season. I think, unlike a year ago, Central Catholic was just mollywopped in the final by Malibo after losing them in the regular season. I think this time around, they lost a grueling 7-3 game to NA. I think this time Central Catholic finds out and lights up the scoreboard. NA, I think, is going to be stretched a little bit on defense. They'll have to adjust. And I just think what they can do on the outside, spraying the ball out, let alone Wayne's athletic ability, will have the any defense on its toes. And I think the Viking defense, in a way, will be able to better handle the run-first approach of the Tigers. And if any falls behind by a couple scores, they're going to try to air it out to catch up, which is something that they're not I mean, ever used to doing, but let alone they're not really built to do by having to play catch up by throwing the football. I think this time will be a big difference in this matchup. And I think Central Catholic is going to come out on top. And I'm going to say they're going to come out on top by 14 points. I think Central Catholic is just a better team this time. I think they're playing a lot better football. And I think matchup-wise, they're going to be able to, to really stretch out the NA defense, which will get them a big lead early, take it in as well as that comfort zone, and making it a abandon the run a little bit is going to really hurt them. Now, of course, so the X factors for Central Catholic do what you've done the second half of the season. Spread the ball. You know, trust your offense against a very talented NA defense. And let your guys, Black Gonzalez, let's give your Thomas. Um, you know, let Vernon Settles. Let them make plays on the outside. Trust Payne Wainer. You know, but let him give him and make some plays too because he's more than capable of it. And just get the ball rolling. Get the ball spinning on offense. You know, and that's the key. Of course, NA, if you if, if you can dominate in the trenches, if you can get a rush on Payne Wayne, or if you can contain him in the pocket, you know, make him hurry his throws and, and get the pass game out of rhythm, Central Catholic hasn't been able to run the ball all year, so if they can't throw out the ball, they're not going to have any odds that this game can go back to a 7-3, 14-3 type ball game that NA will just out-muscle and cruise their way to a championship then. That make my pick look really wrong. Which would have they do it, you know, power to them. And with the other side, NA, they go to get the run ball, run game. They go to establish running the ball early on. Gavlik's had a, a fantastic senior season. Let him get going. Let him get in a lather. Let Kushner use his legs a little bit. But I think one thing for their on, on offensively, they can't just be one-dimensional to win this game. I think you need to get Kyron Boyd, who's a talented speedster. Get him the ball, whether it's screen whether it's a quick little slant, whether it's you know something creative, get him the ball early on to kind of shake up the pace on offense and make Central have to look him where he's at every time for every snap, take a little bit of pressure off and avoid a man rush every time, you know, and then loading the box. So I think you need to kind of be a little creative on offense to help. And this, and because again, it's hard to be something twice in the same year. I think you need to be a little bit creative for a run heavy run first approach. Or Central Catholic defensively. If you can take away the run, you know, or, or at least limit the big plays and make any have to pound and ground it out to move the ball and, and do it, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust every time, 
now be your way to kind of keep this one low scoring close. Again, in the regular season, it was seven to three, and it took NA over three quarters to score. So, I guess so. I think we'll see NA, you know, get one touchdown, maybe two. But I think in terms of something that's passing in the Vikings, that'll open it up, and it may take them a little bit. But I think I think something like twenty. You know, I might say a number, but I'm thinking like twenty-one ten Vikings will be my will be my score prediction. So that's that's. I hope you guys enjoyed. So wherever you're going to watch your games, be safe, have fun, enjoy it. WPIL football, mid late November or near Thanksgiving. What more could you ask for? And we'll see. We'll see who gets crowned champion. You know, in five and six on Saturday, as it's been quite a long time that USC is playing in a title game alone since they've won one. NA, you know, back for the second time in three years, but they haven't won one of these in ten years. Of course, Central Catholic and PR, respectively, have won their share of championships. Little have had their share of championship battles, whether it was against each other in the old Quad A or in 6A or in their own respective rights in 5A and 6A, respectfully, now. And both have kind of had second half resurgences. So we'll see how it all plays out. And of course, Friday, a full night of semifinal action. And honestly, I think there's eight semifinals. I think you're going to see. A lot of really good, hard-fought, physical games. And I think it's going to be a lot of kind of old-school, pound-the-rock running football you're going to see on Friday night, which will be exciting to see. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. We thank you for tuning in. Cover 3 Athletics, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for more. Take care. We'll see you guys next week to talk about it all.